I love the book of Ephesians. It's my favorite book of the New Testament. It is a book for motivated people. It's, it's a book that describes a level of believer that's moving upward in their maturity. It, it's a book written to people who have decided to get on board with the call of God. It, it, it's a book for people who are going somewhere. It has an Old Testament counterpart, the book of Joshua, which is also my favorite book of the Old Testament. The book of Joshua is not written to wandering Israel. It's not written to people who are just sort of aimlessly hanging out in a desert waiting for life to happen to them. No, uh, the book of Joshua is written to people who are going somewhere, people who are willing uh, even to walk around walls that will not come down. The book of Joshua is written for people who are ready to take hold of the promises that God has for them. Now listen, these two books together, they are written for people, I believe, like us. This is written to people who are not willing to passively sit back, but people who are, who are not just hoping that things get better, but they're people who want to possess everything that God has promised to them. Now God said in the book of Joshua, I've given you land to possess, now you go take it. Let me say that again. God says, I've given you a promise to possess. Now you go take it. Go get it. Now, if I don't say anything else this morning, I'd just leave you with that thought alone to ponder. I've done my job today. Just because you don't possess it doesn't mean it hasn't been given. So, so God has things for us. And this book is written to people who, who want to go after whatever it is that God has for them, that, that, that he has for them. There are people who would live their entire life disconnected from what God has called them to do, what he has for them, and what they actually do in life. And what a tragedy, and what a missed opportunity. Because things don't just work right. You have to make them work right. I'm a little old school about this. You know, when I think about all the divorces that are happening today, and I think about how that's skyrocketing, and you know, uh, old school, you, you don't just hope it works out. You make it work out, right? You don't go in with some back door like, well, if it works out, I hope it works out. No. If you need to get out of debt to take off the pressure, you get out of debt to take off the pressure. If you need counseling, we're going to go get counseling. If we need to readjust our schedules so we can spend more time together, then we readjust our schedules to spend more time together. We do what we have to do. We're going to make this thing work. Tenacious people. Motivated people. People who are not willing to sit around and just go, well, whatever will be, que sera, sera, whatever life brings. No, no, this is people who say, I want to go after the best. That's who these books are written to. We're not going to sit here apathetically, hoping it works out. So Joshua, I've given you the land, now you go possess it, make it work. Ephesians, I've predestined you with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, now walk in them. Ah, it's a powerful thought. So it's a book for willing, action-oriented people. And I want you guys to read this book over the next couple weeks and soak in. If you're the kind of person I'm talking about, you want this energy to move you from where you are today. Paul begins this incredible letter by saying this opening. This is his introduction. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So he's given them to us. Just as, look at this, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Not kind of holy, not off-white holy. I mean, you put off-white next to my dark suit, you look white. 
but you put white next to off-white. You guys just missed that? <laughs> you can spot the difference. This is holy. Like God sees me in a way that I can't even see myself right now. He's called me. He's chosen me before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. Yeah, in love. Look at this. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. I want to talk to you about three words today. I want to talk to you about privilege. I want to talk to you about perspective. So write this down. Privilege. Even if you're not writing things down, write this down. <laughs> Privilege, perspective, and procrastination. Let's talk about privilege. He says, I predestined you. <laughs> God made you on purpose. He predestined you. He, he, you should never get over that. You should never get tired of hearing that. That should never be old news. What a privilege that you are not an accident, that God pre-planned you. He pre-willed you. He pre-ordered you. He predestined you. Before you were born, he says, before I set the sun in place and before I made the world, I knew your name. Your birthday just describes the age of your body, but I knew you before. I hate to break it to you. You're older than you look. <laughs> he knew me before. He predestined me. What a privilege. Predestined. Pre, meaning before. Destined, meaning the end. So before I was born, I determined your end even before the beginning. Wow. You may have run from me, Jonah, but I know how to get you back on track. You may have gone your own way and gotten rebellious and gone down your own path and turned a hard hand towards the Lord. And God has a way of bringing us back to his predestined plan. Even if he has to send a fish to swallow us and throw us up on a beach somewhere, he will bring us back to his purpose. I'm thankful that there is a predestined plan for my life and that everything that's happening in my life is working to bring me to God's agenda for me. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and a future. It's God's predetermined future, a predestined future. And so he's trying to get you on to that future. I think it's amazing to think that he has predestined me. And, and think about that. You're not an accident. The circumstances of your birth might have been, you know, challenging. You might not know who your father is, but God has you here today. You, you are predestined. He knows your name, and he's got you on track for his expected end. And on top of all of that, he gives you a free will, which I don't know how that works, right? Because he's predestined me, but he gives me the choice to decide if I'm going to cooperate with the predestined plan that he has. A lot of people get hung up on that. They don't know how that works. So let me try to explain. Let me serve this up. I, I, uh, I love this movie, Gravity. Have you seen this? Loved it. Had everything somebody wants in a movie, suspense and space. So I loved it. It was a, it was a great movie. I'm in the IMAX theater 3D. My wife wouldn't come see it. She says, that's not my kind of movie. But after the Academy Awards, I convinced her, you ought to watch this. So we sat down in the basement. And that movie, within the first few minutes, there is suspense and it's you know, energy, and she's like getting nervous, biting her nails. I hear her scream at one point, and then she yells at me. She says, I hate this movie. Why are you making me watch it? And she's all anxious. I just fell asleep. <laughs> I fell asleep, and she's like, ah, ah, you know, 
getting all sweaty in the movie, you know, just, <laughs> I was asleep. You know why? I already knew what was going to happen. See, once I see a movie one time, I already know where it's going to go. I didn't make the movie happen, but I already know the ending. So God doesn't make you saved, get saved, but he knows the ending. And he knows, and so what he's doing is I know an ending for you. I have a predetermined plan. I wish you would get on agenda with me. I wish you'd cooperate. I wish you'd come on board with the plan that I have for your life. And so that's why I want to talk about perspective. Because if you say, yes, God, I want that. I want your plan. I want your will. I'm ready to move into the promise you have for me. Then all of this that's going on is moving me towards your expected end. So I lost my job. Good. It's moving me towards the expected end. So they left. Good. It's moving you towards the expected end. Uh, this difficulty is going on that I don't understand, but by faith I say good because God is working all things together for the good of those who love God and who are the called according to his purpose. His purpose. I'm called. And he's working all things out. You need that kind of perspective. You don't get that naturally. You have to choose to see it that way. Anything that's not happening for your good, he's going to stop because he's saying, I'm working things together for your good. If that's not helpful, it's not going to happen. So we learn how as we grow, we learn how to rejoice in our trials and our struggles and our difficulties. And we learn how to endure it. We learn how to take it. And we learn how to say, I might have had a lot and I might have a little now. But I've learned how to be content in all situations because I know that God strengthens me. I know that no weapon formed against me really can prosper because he's leading me towards his expected end. Because whatever God has willed to happen in my life, it will come to pass. Now, I don't want all that adversity to be for nothing. I don't want all the trouble and the problems to be for nothing. You see, I can choose to let it move me to God's expected end, or I can resist it. I can be uncooperative. I can go my own way. I can actually, see, I don't want all my energy and my time and all of my focus to, to be on things that have nothing to do with God's agenda. Let all of my time and let all of my thoughts, let everything that I have, all my resources and all of that, if God's plan for me is good, then I want to move there. And even if I don't understand right now, God, I want to cooperate with what you're doing to get me to the expected end. I want to go there. Some of you are in hardship right now. You don't understand why you're sick or what God is doing. And God is saying, trust me, I'm moving you towards my expected end. Perspective. You got to see that by faith. You cannot see that just with your human eyes. That's why Paul prays this prayer. Let me read it to you again. Think about this. I ask the glorious Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you his spirit. Why? Because the spirit will make you wise and let you understand what it means to know God. So he says, my prayer is that the light will come on, that you'll get it, that light will flood your heart and you will understand the hope that was given to you, that this isn't all random, that God has a purpose. He's predestined you. He's, he's using all this to move you to his expected end. That you'll understand the hope that was given to you when God called you. Am I making sense today? You need the light to flood your heart. You need to see with spiritual eyes. You need the perspective of faith. And oftentimes we can't see it right when we're in the middle of it. Jesus tried to teach his disciples this. There's a powerful story in the book of John, chapter 4. If you want to go there or follow on the screen, John 4, verse 31. And 
Jesus is tired, his disciples are tired, and they've gone on a long journey, and they come to a well. And Jesus says, you guys go into the village and get some food, and I'm just going to try to recover here. They leave, and this, we'll call her the babe from the village, comes out. She's had five husbands, but she's not living with him now, and so she comes out, and, you know, she's got that look. And she comes to talk to Jesus, and Jesus starts talking to her. And it's a powerful conversation, and she's deeply moved. And right towards the end of the conversation, the guys from the village come back, the, the disciples, and they're shocked that he is talking to the babe from the village. They're shocked. What, 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 this is a problem. Why is he talking to her? It's awkward. So she realizes that that's the end of the conversation. She leaves and goes back to the village. But she's saying, come with me. Come meet the man who changed my life. Come meet the person who told me everything about me. That's what Jesus will do when you meet him. He'll just have this, the light will come on. And, and she recognized that. Well, meanwhile, the disciples are like, well, that was awkward. And why were you talking to her? And, you know, Jesus, we got some food. You know, here, eat something. That's, that's, the, that's the exact context of, look at this, verse 31. His disciples urged them, saying, okay, Jesus, eat. Okay, so you can understand. He said to them, I have food to eat that you don't even know anything about. And they're like, well, who brought you food? And how would you get food? Has anybody else brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, look at this now. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Check this out. Let me drop this on you. I am provided for when I'm doing my purpose. God is sustaining me. He's giving me everything that I need when I'm doing the will of him who sent me. When I'm, on, when I'm cooperating with God's call, when I'm doing what he put me to do, God is giving me everything that I need. So I don't have to worry about much. Air pocket hits the plane. If I've got something to do for God, I'm not worried because I'm going to get there. Amen. See, some of you don't live like this. Until I finish what God has willed me to do, that's what Jesus was saying. God's going to sustain me. He's going to take care of me. God orders my steps. I have a purpose to accomplish, and you guys don't see it. See, their eyes were on a problem. Take a look at this. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. He says, don't you say there's four months and then we'll come to harvest. See, why, why are you saying that? Don't, don't say that, he's saying. He's rebuking them. Behold, I say to you, look up right now. Look at the fields, for they are already white with harvest. So they're standing there, and he's saying, you see these fields? Don't look at them as if the harvest is yet to come. I'm telling you, there's a harvest going on in this village right now, but you can't see it. You're just looking at the problem of me talking to this woman. You're not looking at things correctly. You don't have the right perspective. The harvest is white. There's something about to go down in this place, the Spirit of God is going to change these people's lives. Great things are going to happen here. And you're standing around saying, well, why are you talking to this woman? See, you don't see the harvest. You don't see the problem. And you can't reap a harvest you can't see. So, so you got to see this in a different way. You see it as a setback, but I'm seeing a harvest. You see a crisis, I'm seeing an opportunity. You're looking at this with the eyes of the natural. I'm looking at it through supernatural eyes. People who see a crisis and always see the crisis, those are the people who drown. I'm telling you this. People, if your eyes are always on the negative and always on what's going wrong and always complaining, you're setting a direction for your life. That's the vision of where your life is going. But a person who has the attitude to say, uh, I will see an opportunity in this crisis, those are the people who thrive and excel. You've got to get your eyes and look about what could be and what should be and what ought to be instead of just what is. 
You know why Jesus was asleep in the boat that day? When the storm came and he's sleeping and everybody else was freaking out and he's in the back, you know. <laughs> and he's just sleeping, peaceful as can be. Because he knew he had a mission to accomplish. He knew where God was taking him. He knew that there was a purpose and where he was supposed to be. And nothing, no storm, no, op, no obstacle was going to prevent him from doing the will that God had for him. So he's asleep. And the disciples are shaking. Wake up, we're drowning, we're drowning, we're drowning. He's like, oh. Don't you realize we're going to get to the other side anyway? Oh, you have little faith. Why couldn't you let me sleep? We're going to get to the other side. Nothing's stopping this boat. Okay, now that I'm awake, I have to use this storm as a teaching opportunity. You see it as a storm. It is now a teaching opportunity. Peace be still. And the waves stopped, and they went, wow, look at that. And he goes, you see, you think you always have to see something to see the peace that's available to you. You think you just have to see it with your normal eyes. And he has peace that passes understanding, that defies knowing how it's all going to work out. But he says, listen, I'm in the boat with you. My calling is secure. I know what I have to do. Chill out. <laughs> see, when, when you get this, turbulence will not bother you anymore. When you get this, obstacles that you face, you'll look at them a different way. And you have the opportunity to cooperate with what God is doing and let those adversities take you to an expected end or get frustrated and upset and critical and who did what to you when and stay parked for the rest of your life. What does he want to do with you? What's he doing in your life? I'll tell you this, perspective that is seasoned by experience does not worry so much anymore. That's what God's trying to do. So as, let me say this again. Okay? Pers perspective seasoned by experience will cause you to worry less. Because you've seen God show up. It doesn't look in the natural like anything good's going on right now. But my experience tells me, because I've, I've had the right perspective before, and it's going to take me in the right direction towards the expected end God has. I hope you're getting this this morning. Jesus was telling those guys that the harvest is white. You can't see it. And he wouldn't have had to say that if it wasn't, you know, if they weren't blind. It was so obvious, but they just couldn't see it. And you never have to say the obvious if people can see it. Like, I don't have to say, hey, I'm white. You know, <laughs> I never have to tell you that because you can just see that. And, that's, and so he's going, the harvest is white. Look around. Well, they couldn't see it. See, problems people bring to me sometimes, and they tell me, here's the problem in my life, or a young pastor will come and talk to me, and they're like, what am I going to do? And I'm like, you see, they don't have the experience, and they just don't have the perspective yet, and they see it as a problem. When it's not even a problem, let them go. Ignore it. Don't worry about it. Just you keep doing, you know, you keep loving people well, and just ignore that. You just keep going. Why would you give your attention to that? Don't give it power. Don't give it energy. Don't focus on that. Just let it go. Amen. Perspective, seasoned by experience, you just ignore some stuff. You let them win the argument. You just love people well. You stay on your mission. I'm speaking to somebody today. Let them win the argument. Let it go. Ignore it. Don't give them energy. Don't focus on them. Just, just do what God has called you to do. See, they couldn't see the harvest that they were experiencing right there. They couldn't see it. They were blind to it. And you know why? I have an empathy for them. Because sometimes the harvest you're in, you can't feel it. You can't see it. 
just like success doesn't feel like success when you get there. I mean, you had an idea what it was going to be like, and you're chasing it, and then you get there, and it doesn't feel like it. You ever had that situation? You thought it was going to feel differently, and then you got there, and you discovered, oh, there's problems here. <laughs> I thought it was going to be great. No, there's problems at every level. New devils for new levels. There are new problems. Nothing is perfect. And some of you think that you can't even see the great marriage you're in right now because great marriages don't always feel great. And the job that you're in, you don't see what a great job that is because it's not, it doesn't always feel great. You don't always see what God is doing. It's like, it's like when you were a teenager. Do you remember this? And every picture you saw as a teenager you, of yourself, you just hated it. You know, picture somebody took and you're looking for your face and you say, I don't like that. That was terrible. 20 years later, you're finding that picture. Throwback Thursday. Check me out. Look at that. Put that up there. <laughs> I was bad looking. Look at how good I look. I was trim. I was, yeah, and you had a mullet too. <laughs> but I looked good. I found my wedding picture the other day, and uh, I remember that, getting in that tux and that 32-inch waist, and I can remember thinking, man, am I fat today. Suck in, suck in for the pictures. I look at that picture today, and I'm like, if only, you know, if I could only do that. Today, I'd just go get in the back of the row, let everybody stand in front and peer over the head. Just say, that's a good picture, you know. Perspective. Our perspective is off is what I'm trying to say. Your perspective is off. You don't see what God is doing. You don't see where you are now. You don't see. You're living right now. Let me give you a new perspective. You're, this could be like the best years of your life right now. Amen. The best years of your life. That, that woman that you're married to, she's a whole lot better than you think she is. That man you're married to, he is a whole lot better than you think he is. You, there are people that wish they could get up and come here today and do what you're doing right now. There are people that wish they had a church like this that they could go to and a vision like this that they could be a part of. There are people that would be privileged to be a part of a church that's on mission with God and not just dead and just laying there and just, you know, fighting with each other. There are people that would think that's an incredible opportunity. But people don't see it, and they get stuck, and they get hard-hearted, and they get that focusing on things that, you know, God doesn't even care about. And he's saying your perception is, can be so off. Stop focusing on the negative. Stop focusing on every problem. I know your eye goes to your face. I know your eye goes to your problems. I know every time you get somewhere, you look at what's going wrong. But it's time to start thinking about what is God really doing? What is he really after? What's the big picture? Where are we going? Don't forget that, that your purpose is not about you. Amen. I know you think that your purpose is about accomplishing something, but friends, listen to me. It's not about you. The more you chase after that, the more miserable that you'll be. God says, my, my purpose for you is my agenda. I'm trying to move you from your agenda to my agenda, which involves the body of Christ. Listen to what that prayer said in the very beginning. Look what he said. You will discover the glorious blessings that will be yours together with all of God's people. You see, it's when we come together to do something great that God is calling us to do that we discover our purpose in life. And everything that's happening right now is moving you towards that agenda. And you can cooperate with that or not. I don't want to waste one day. I don't want to waste one adversity. I don't want to waste one struggle or hardship that I'm facing. I want to recognize that, God, you're moving me towards your expected end. I surrender to that. Let's go for it. Amen. Let me see this with the eyes of faith. And that's why I want to talk about procrastination. 
because your life will never be problem free. And if you're waiting for all the problems to go away and everything to line up in a row and then I'll do something, it will never happen. Procrastination is making you too slow. It's slowing you down. Procrastination is you being easy on yourself saying, well, you know, not today. One of these days. Jesus rebuked those guys. He says, do not say four months and then the harvest. He said, he said, now, right now, the fields are wiped. Look around. Wake up. Now's the time. Don't procrastinate. Get going. Don't get distracted by what's wrong with who did what to you. Some of you are parked over unforgiveness and who said this and why this isn't going right, and you're wasting your life on that. Forgiveness isn't for them. It's for you. Get free and get on board. Jesus said, don't say one of these days. Don't waste your life on yourself. Do what God's telling you to do. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now that you know you should be dealing with, and you just put it off and put it off and say one of these days? In my small group, there was a man who we've been praying for for over a year to have a liver transplant. And he was way, way, way down the list. One of the most unlikely people to ever get one. He's a new believer. And over the last year, he struggled. And the pain's gotten worse. And the last few months, he's been very discouraged. In fact, he began to doubt his faith. And he's not only was doubting it because of the pain he was experiencing, but also because I can't go to work. And now I have economic difficulties and the medical bills and why God. And he was struggling. And we were walking with him, praying for him, helping him through this journey. Wednesday night, he showed up at the small group and he says quietly, you know, I think I know what God's been asking me to do. He says, I want you all to know I've forgiven my brother. And he told us the story that he had not spoken to his brother in 30 years. 30 years. He says, I called him up and I asked him to forgive me and I told him that I forgave him. And then in only the way he could do it, in a very rough you know, way that this guy speaks. He says, I'm going to say a prayer. And at the end of this prayer, if you, want, you need to accept Jesus. And if you want to accept Jesus, uh, just say, yes, God, that's me. <laughs> Which he picked up here. <laughs> but he prays this prayer for about 10 minutes on the phone. At the end of the prayer, he hears his brother whisper, yes, God, that's me. He's saying this in our small group, and I'm, I'm crying. I'm just so moved. I'm thinking to myself, oh, God, here is a man that is moving to your agenda. Here's a man that's not wasting pain. He's moving it. God, this must bless your heart. We gathered around him. We prayed for him. I, remember, I called out, God, if you'll just heal him tonight or provide this liver, it's, it's nothing, nothing is too hard for you. But here's a man that's moved on to your agenda. So bless him and fill his life. Don't let the enemy rob one day of his life. Thursday morning, I get a text. Ten minutes later, I respond. It's too late. He's already in surgery with a perfect match liver. And he's recovering at IU Hospital today, and he's doing fine. God was waiting on his heart before he could deal with his liver. And you see, there's things that God has said to you 
that you need to deal with in your life, and now is the time. There's no time for procrastination. You look around, and you see this world we live in, and Jesus would be telling us, friends, the harvest is ripe. It's ready. And you know what? Uh, we have been responding to the call. That call that Jesus sent, it wasn't just for the people in the Bible. The mission is as clear today, and it's for this generation, for his followers, you and me. When he said, I want you to go into the whole world, and I want you to tell people about me, and make disciples, and baptize them, and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded. Go into your whole community, and into your region, and into the world. That call came to us, and we said, yes, God, we're going to respond. And we've been doing that for 13 years, and we have been reaping the harvest harvest with speed. Why? Because it's easy. When you love people well in the middle of their broken situation, I accept you, no judgment. I'm going to get engaged with your mess. I'll be sacrificially generous. People will let you lead them to Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ comes into the picture, one word and he changes everything. He'll make you call a brother you haven't spoken to in 30 years and ask for forgiveness. And he'll change everything. He'll put marriages back together. He'll deliver people from addiction. He'll move people out of uh, out of. Uh, uncontrolled anger and rage, and he'll bring a spirit of peace in their life. Jesus is the hope of the world. And you look at the world today, and everything's broken. I think the harvest is ready and ripe. And he's given an opportunity for us to go after not just what we've done in our past, but to do something in a greater way to reach the world. And we've said yes, and we've said, God, we want you to move us. We're ready to sacrifice. We're ready to go with you. We're ready to move everything that's in our lives and use, use it all, Lord, to bring us to your agenda. That's what we're saying. That's what we're trying to commit to. In 2008, uh, we were one year into our first capital campaign, which did all of this, that allowed us the place to sit in today. And 243 people, families, sacrificed and gave $3 million to make all of this happen so that this computer store could be turned into this place of worship. Well, we were a year into it, and the economy buckled, and everything started to slow down, and we recognized we're going to be delayed. But at the very same moment, a call came from our missionaries in Sierra Leone, and they said, we need your help because the equipment that we were using to drill wells for people who have no clean water has broken. Can you help us? And we said, we're just delayed. For them, it's life and death. We need a miracle, but we'll be these people's miracles right now. And we responded to that. And today, there have been over 100,000 people who have received clean water. Every village we've put in a well, nobody's died of cholera. It's been transforming, and cold water was given in the name of Jesus. And it's been an incredible miracle. Millions of dollars. And so I just got a call this week from the director, the CEO of World Hope, saying the 100th well is about to be dedicated this year. We want a delegation from Heartland because the president wants, of that country wants us to come and dedicate and thank Heartland Church for the work that we have done. Our God is an awesome God. So I went back to find the email of when I first heard the news. I wanted to go back and read that email again when the first call came. I didn't find that email, but I found a different one from 2008. And you'll be interested in hearing what it said. It was actually from a small group in our congregation at the time that got all up in arms. And uh, the, 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 the email was a little edgy. It had some comments like, this makes no sense. This is really stupid. This is an expensive $150,000 hole digger. Aren't there people here in our own country who need help? This is not a good idea. <laughs> now, how many of you think this was a great idea that we did this today? Looking back... See, things always look better when you look back. 
So I'm glad I kind of ignored that. And that we went on and did the things that God was calling us to do. There are always going to be people who say the goal is too lofty, it's too big, it can't be done, question the motive, and maybe you've heard a critical remark or two and it's caused you to doubt and maybe it's shaken your faith a little, or maybe you just have your own fears and you wonder how God could use you considering the adversity that you're in. I'm just saying to you, God wants to move us to his agenda, but we're all going to be tempted to procrastinate, especially when it comes to filling out this card, because I'm telling you, this has hit us and it's going to hit you and it's going to hit every leader because we're tempted to procrastinate about things we are anxious about. And so why are we procrastinating? Well, all I've asked you to do is pray. Mm. See, it'll be a temptation to procrastinate, and I want you over the next two weeks to sit down and actually take the time and pray the prayer. God, move me onto your agenda. What do you want me to do? What do you want us to do? And you know what God will do? God will speak to you. He'll tell you something that will stretch your faith just a little. But he's a God who knows you're expected in. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory when you get on mission with him. So he'll provide for you. He'll take care of you. But he's looking for you not to procrastinate but to pray. Now there's always going to be fear and anxiety. And I know that. But God's looking for a few people who will just see the opportunity instead of looking at momentary crisis. Do you remember that movie, Apollo 13? Remember that one when, when the, the Apollo capsule was, was in jeopardy and everybody said this could be the worst disaster and everybody was saying all of the problems? Do you remember that? Well, actually, just watch it. I, I have a clip for you. Take a look at this. Like they're still showering a bit up there. You want to tell them? Anything we could do about it? Not now, Flight. And they don't need to know, do they? Copy that. Yeah. Parachute situation, the heat shield, the angle of trajectory in the typhoon. There's just so many variables I'm a little I know what lost. the problems are, Henry. It'll be the worst disaster NASA's ever experienced. With all due respect, sir, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Love that line. I love that part of the movie. And guess what? I know the end of that movie, too. I've seen the ending, and I know that it's a good ending. I love that. I love it that somebody stood up and said, problems, this is going to be our finest hour. God is moving us towards his agenda, friends. And I don't want you to ever forget the privilege that you have to be a part of a great move of God. Very few people get to be a part of that. And I'm so excited we get to have that privilege. And I'm excited that God will give us perspective to help us see everything that's happening in your life right now. All of it, the good, the bad. Is tr God's trying to use it to move you to his agenda. And may we not procrastinate one day. May we see that the harvest is white and ready, that the time is short, and God is looking for some motivated, active people who are going to make it happen. Amen. This is going to be our finest hour. Let me read you this scripture. Let me read you this scripture one more time and take this in as God's, God breathing this into you. This is the prayer. I ask the glorious Father and God of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you his spirit. The Spirit will make you wise, let you understand what it means to know God. And my prayer is that light will flood your heart and that you will understand the hope that was given to you when God called you and you will discover the glorious blessings that will be yours together with all God's people.
Let the church say amen. amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you'll speak and cut through the clutter and talk directly to us now. For the one, if you're here today and you recognize, man, I'm so far off of God's agenda. I have drifted. I've tried to do my own thing. I am far from God. Here's your chance. Just tell them today, God, I see you at work. I'm not going to be bitter anymore. I'm not going to hold it over somebody else. I take responsibility. Today, I move to your agenda. I give you my life. I want to follow you. I want to say yes to you. I want your will to be my way. And from this day forward, I'm going to do my best to follow you. Please forgive me and come into my life. Make me a new person. If that's you, say, yes, God, that's me. That's your prayer today. And I pray, Lord, for all of my brothers and sisters that together we would have the vision to see what you're trying to get us to see. Flood our hearts with light, Lord. Block every attack of the enemy. Give us faith. I pray that you'd help us to see the privilege that we have. We are called by you. We are empowered by you. You've given us uh, your Holy Spirit to give us everything that we need. Give us the perspective to say yes to you, and may we not procrastinate even one day because this is going to be our finest hour. I pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Come on, let's give God a great hand of praise.